0: each and every one of you being here this morning. Uh, We will be keeping an eye on the weather. Like I say, I don't believe it will amount to much, but we'll be keeping an eye on it and let you know uh, as far as services tonight, if there'll be any changes. Uh, I have to admit that uh, I want to be in church. Uh, It's been a couple weeks since I've got to preach. You know, we had all these visiting preachers in, and so uh, I'm kind of itching to go. And so uh, if we're we're able, we will be having church this evening, but if the weather does uh, turn worse, uh, we'll definitely take that into consideration. Send out church guests and let everyone know if there's any changes uh, for the service tonight. We'll be in Luke chapter number six. Luke chapter number six. Continuing to look at the thought of the message of our Savior. Joel uh, was giving me a hard time this morning. Uh, whenever he does the live stream, he always puts the title uh, on the live stream in case you know someone wants to go back and find the message. And he said to me, what am I supposed to title this message? I'm like, what do you mean? He said, there's four titles here. We've got the book of Luke, the life of Christ, the message of Jesus, and then the barrenness of uh, temporal fullness. He's like, which one of these titles is supposed to go on there? And I said, well, we have series within series going on here, so just call it part two. So if y'all go back looking for this, today's part two, Uh, but continuing to look at the message of their Savior being Luke chapter number six. Boy, I do want to just take a moment and thank the Lord uh, for the revival meeting. Boy, I'm telling you what, I felt like the Lord uh, blessed, uh, had great attendance, Uh, folks came out to be a part of the revival meeting, appreciate each of y'all that supported uh, the meeting, and boy, I'm telling you, brother Ben and his family ministered to us uh, in music and in message, and boy, I tell you, I just enjoyed the revival meeting and appreciate each of you and the uh, the church gave a very generous love offering uh, to Brother Ben which was a, a help to him. Uh, they have uh, some hospital uh, visits coming up, some surgeries and so uh, the thing with an evangelist is if you're not preaching, you're not getting paid and so you're off of the road and so uh, the church, y'all gave very generously and uh, gave him a good love offering and he was very pleased uh, with the love offering and said that would go a long way to helping them with the time that they're going to be having to take off so appreciate each of you as he ministered to us we were able to minister back to him and we, he and I have been talking about another date uh, and looks like it will be October of 24 is when brother Ben Averson and his family will be back with us we're still trying to nail the dates down finally but towards the end of October 24 is what we're looking at so uh, you can go ahead and start anticipating having brother Ben and his family back with us so here we are Luke chapter number 6 Luke Luke chapter number 6 will be in verse uh, 20, uh, starting in verse 20 down through I believe verse number 26. As I said, a couple of weeks ago, uh, we began looking at this message of our Savior. It's a, uh, As we said, is very similar to the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount found in Matthew chapter 5 through chapter number 7. This is a condensed uh, version of it uh, or perhaps uh, a second time that Jesus preached on the same subject. There are those uh, who think that the, the Sermon on the Mountain in Matthew and this uh, instance here in the book of Luke is the same instance. Then there are others who say, no, this was two sermons on the same subject. And as I said, whenever we introduced this, I said that that's very likely because, you know, oftentimes preachers will preach on the same subject. And so it's very likely that this could have been a same sermon on the same subject. But of course, uh, it's not as long as the Sermon on the Mount. But we began looking at this and we began to look uh, at the blessings uh, of those who have an eternal focus. That is what we looked at a couple weeks ago. Uh, and we now we're going to look at the barrenness uh, of temporal fullness. The barrenness of temporal fullness. Now whenever we look at this passage of Scripture we need to understand that this message was not given, it was not preached nor recorded uh, as a checklist for salvation. And many times people will get that mixed up uh, and they'll say, oh, so this is telling me what I can do and can't do in order to be saved. In our Sunday school lesson this morning uh, with the, the New Believers class, we were talking about the fact uh, that we cannot lose our salvation and the reason we cannot lose our salvation is because our salvation is not dependent uh, on anything that we do or do not do. Our salvation is 100% dependent on upon the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. So when we look at this passage of Scripture, we understand that this is not a checklist to determine whether or not we are saved or things that we must do or not do in order to stay saved. Uh, Also, we understand that this passage isn't given as a list of requirement of things we must do as a Christian. Uh, uh, There are many things in the Word of God that we find and we're like, uh, these are all the do's and don'ts of Christianity. These are the requirements that we must do. That is not the Purpose of this passage. This passage is an explanation. Of the new life that naturally radiates from a person who has experienced being born again. You see, whenever we accept Christ, we become a new creature. We are born again. Old things are passed away, all things are become new. We are recreated in the Lord Jesus Christ. And whenever you become a new creature, there are some things that will naturally take place in your life. Many times we get confused and we look at the do's and don'ts in the Word of God and we think that either these do's and don'ts determine my salvation or these do's and don'ts are things that I have to live by in order to gain God's favor and neither is true. No, no, if you have been born again, these things that we see here will naturally radiate out of the life of of the newborn believer. And we will grow and we will develop as we follow Christ. Salvation has nothing to do with what we can or cannot do, but salvation is evidenced in our life because of what he has done. And that is what this passage is telling us about. And so we're going to take and look at this 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 morning. Here in this passage, Jesus is revealing to his disciples and to the others who are present, as well as to you and I, some of the changes that we will experience when we believe in him. In our first message, as I said, we saw that in Christ, there are eternal blessings that can be found in the struggles and hardships of life do you know that's something that the lost have no access to? Those that have never accepted Christ go through struggles and hardships, For vanity. There is no gain, there is no worth, there is no benefit in their struggles and their hardships. They simply have to endure them. But a blessing that we have as children of God is that we find blessing in the struggles and the hardship because we are eternally focused. Job said, Life is a few days and full of trouble, and all who live on this earth will be faithful with trouble, both saved and unsaved alike. However, Jesus tells us in the first portion of this passage that those who have trusted in Him will receive blessing in their trouble. As we look at this message today, we'll see that there are many who although there are blessings to be found in the Lord Jesus Christ, there are many who will reject the Savior in their pursuit of temporal fullness. Because they are seeking satisfaction in what this temporal earth has to offer, they reject the Savior, and because they cannot comprehend the wealth of eternity, they turn from Christ in the pursuit of what they can see and what they can experience on this earth. The result, as we will see here in just a moment, is a barrenness, an emptiness. Because a life that is focused on temporal things uh, is void of the blessings that can be found in eternal things. So this morning, we're going to look, uh, starting in verse 20 down through verse number 26, and we're going to consider the barrenness of temporal fullness. Uh, read with me, Luke chapter number 6, starting in verse number twenty. And he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, Blessed be ye poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are ye that hunger now, for ye shall be filled. Blessed are ye that weep now, for ye shall laugh. Blessed are ye when men shall hate you, and when they shall separate you from their company, and shall reproach you, and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Rejoice ye in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven, for in the like manner did their fathers unto the prophets. There in those verses, Jesus is speaking of the eternal blessings. But now in verse number 24 down through verse number 26, he speaks of the emptiness. But woe unto you that are rich, for ye have received your consolation. Woe unto you that are full, for ye shall hunger. Woe unto you that laugh now, for ye shall mourn and weep. Woe unto you, when all men shall speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. Let's pray. Father, Lord, as we come to you this morning, I pray, dear Father, Lord, that you will allow us to take our mind away from those things that concern us, those things that, uh, Lord, are distracting us. And Father, I pray that you will help us, oh Lord, to turn our focus to Your Word. Father, Lord, as we uh, think, uh, look outside and we see the snow falling, and Lord, maybe uh, some are concerned about, uh, Lord, being able to get home safely. Father, uh, uh, maybe there are things that are going on in our families or uh, in our lives, uh, Father, Lord, that have us distracted. Father, I pray that You will help us, uh, Lord, just for a few moments, uh, Lord, to turn our attention from those things. And Lord, uh, let us focus on the Word of God. And Father, I pray, uh, Lord, as we look at these warnings that You give us in Your Word, that Father, we will be able to apply them And Father, Lord, we will be able to examine ourselves and see, oh Lord, if this is an area uh, that one is hindering us from salvation, or Lord, perhaps uh, is hindering us in our growth uh, as a Christian. Father, I pray that you'll bless now as we look at your word. Thank you, Father. Thank you so much for each person that is here. Bless now, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Have you ever eaten something that filled but didn't satisfy? Have you ever had something like that? A lot of times sweets are bad about that. Boy, you see something, you see a big old chocolate cake. I love a good chocolate cake. You see a big old chocolate cake, and you're like, man, I'm going to have me a piece of that chocolate cake. And you eat that chocolate cake, and you feel bloated. You're filled, but you're still hungry that the craving wasn't satisfied. You know you can't eat anymore because you've been filled, but that hunger has not been satisfied. There is something about and we all know this, this isn't a health seminar, but we all know that there is something far more satisfying about eating foods that have the protein and the nutrients and the vitamins that we need as far as satisfying our hunger, The far more beneficial than the things that we offer. And tend to, uh, uh, such as sweets and sugars and these things, that although they taste good to our palate, uh, they really do nothing to satisfy the craving uh, of our body and the needs uh, of our body. This is an example of what the Lord uh, is talking about here. Here in this passage, Jesus is focusing his attention uh, on the emptiness that is felt by those who focus on being full of the things of this world. Boy, I'm telling you what, it doesn't take long to notice and many of us could give witness of our own life when we have attempted. Solomon in in Ecclesiastes talks about all the things of the world that he tried that did not satisfy. Many of us could give example of things that we've just thought we really wanted, but when we had it, it did not satisfy. I'll try not to take all your time. I'm trying to be free to preach and be conscious of time. It's tough, but uh, anyway, uh, I love black powder guns. I love shooting black powder guns for whatever reason. I don't really know how I ever got started into black powder guns, but uh, I just I've always enjoyed them, and I've got black powder rifles, and and I do have a couple of those modern inline, but you know those are for cheaters. I like you know the kind that's got the side lock, you know the the real gun. Is so I've got black powder rifles, I've got black powder shotguns and I love hunting with my black powder guns, love shooting them. But I had in my mind that I wanted a 32 caliber rifle. I really wanted a 32 caliber black powder rifle. It's very small. Now I know 32 caliber in modern rifles is a a good size caliber. Black powder guns, that's a pretty small caliber and used a lot for hunting small game. And I'm like, I really want a 32 caliber rifle. I really want me one. And so uh, over the years I had acquired a few different uh, black powder guns. I had one that, you know, uh, wasn't my favorite and so I thought, well I'll see if I can do some trading and come up with 32. And sure enough I did. Traded the one rifle and I got myself a 32 caliber black powder Rifle. I was all excited. I loaded that thing up, and we went outside, and we shot it a few times. And I'm like, "Well, I I like this thing. I I like this." Then I took it hunting a few times, and I finally had to be honest. I said, "I hate this thing. (laughs) This gun is not what I thought it would be. I do not like this gun. It's a it's an aggravation to load. It's an aggravation to shoot. And I." I sold it. I got rid of it. It was something I thought that I wanted, but once I had it, I realized it didn't satisfy. Now, that's just a silly thing and just a material thing that doesn't really matter. But you know what? There are a lot of things that people pursue, things that people want, things that people say, I've got to have this, and they give themselves to obtaining it only to realize it didn't do for me what I thought it would. It didn't help me the way I thought it would. It didn't bring the satisfaction I thought it would. It didn't bring the contentment. It didn't bring the peace. It only left me still wanting something else. We see this is what Jesus is talking to here. There are those who abandon the hope of salvation that is found in Christ because of their pursuit of earthly success, earthly comfort, earthly gain. They fill their life with all the material enjoyments they can find only to realize that their soul is still empty. It did not satisfy. In these three verses, Jesus addresses four areas, four areas where men and women seek for personal fulfillment but only find eternal emptiness. The first one we find in verse number 24 where we see the barrenness of those driven by prosperity, the barrenness of those driven by prosperity. In verse number 24, Jesus says, But woe unto you that are rich, for ye have received your consolation. Woe unto you that are rich, for ye have received your consolation. In verse 20 to 23, Jesus spoke of blessings that are associated with areas of life that we all wish we could avoid. Jesus spoke of blessings being associated with the poor. He spoke of blessings being associated with hunger. He spoke of blessings being associated with those that are sorrowful and those that are rejected. All the things that we try to avoid, Jesus said there are blessings to be found in these things. But now we come to verse 24 to 26 where Jesus is beginning to speak of those things that mankind tends to pursue. The things that man thinks brings happiness and enjoyment and with these things he announces a sorrow will accompany them. He begins this set of woes with a warning concerning the rich. Now, all through the scripture, we find many warnings concerning the dangers that are associated with the pursuit of wealth. But we do understand in this passage right here that Jesus is not condemning wealth. Now, this is very important and this has been misunderstood many, many times. Jesus is not condemning wealth but rather the pursuit of wealth, rather than confidence in the Lord. We know that the Lord intends for you and I to be blessed. In Proverbs 10, and verse number 22, we read, The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow with it. James 1.17 says, Every good gift, And every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. The problem isn't wealth. The problem is the self-confidence and the false sense of security that people find in the pursuit of wealth. Those who say wealth can answer my problems are those who will suffer. Jesus says, woe unto you that are rich for ye have received your consolation. The problem arises when the pursuit of wealth begins to take priority over every other area of our life. Jesus said, every good gift and every perfect gift comes from me. But yet there are many, many people who will neglect the Lord and forsake the Lord in the pursuit of... Of wealth. And whenever the pursuit of wealth begins to take over every other area of your life there are people, you probably know people personally who have neglected their family for the pursuit of wealth. There are people who have neglected their physical health for the pursuit of wealth. There are people who have neglected serving the Lord and, and raising their children in church because of the pursuit of wealth. Whenever the pursuit of wealth begins to take priority over every other area of your life, the Bible says that we will realize that the earthly benefits yield eternal emptiness. They will pursue it and pursue it and pursue it with a mindset that money brings security. Money, money is its handy stuff to have it comes in really useful it helps us to obtain the things we need it helps us to obtain the things we want uh, it uh, it makes life go by so much better but it's a false sense of security because the Bible says, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory. Now, I'm not saying that we should sit on the couch and do nothing. I'm not saying that we should be lazy and just wait for manna to rain from heaven. That's not what the Bible teaches at all. The Bible teaches that we're to be industrious. The Bible teaches that we're to to provide, that we're to take care of ourselves. But the Bible also teaches that our confidence is to be in the Lord, not in material things. The Bible says here in Luke chapter number 12, verse number 16, you know this passage. And he spake a parable unto them saying, the ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself saying, what shall I do because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? And he said, this will I do. I will pour down my barns and build greater. And There will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, And be merry. God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. You may remember a few Sundays back, actually, probably been a couple months ago now, we preached on this parable. And we pointed out the fact that although many people use this parable as a means of preaching against wealth, nowhere in this parable does Jesus condemn the farmer for doing well. Nowhere does he condemn the farmer for laying up for later years. Nowhere does he condemn the farmer uh, for uh, building bigger barns to have a place to sort. Although many sermons have been preached saying that he was condemned for that, nowhere does Jesus condemn him for that. What Jesus condemns him for uh, is being so focused uh, on making sure he was secure on this earth, uh, he failed to make preparation for the next life. That is where the problem showed up. He said, thou fool, you've spent your whole life trying to prepare for something temporal as if it was eternal. You should have focused a little less on the temporal and a little more on the eternal. Jesus says, woe unto them that are rich. Woe to them that are rich. Secondly, we see the barrenness of those controlled by possessions the barrenness of those controlled by possessions. In Luke 6 and verse number 25, he says, Woe unto you that are full, for ye shall hunger. Now this is very similar to the first statement that we looked at in that Jesus again speaks of the temporary state of earthly possessions. So many seek for temporal comforts, but as we've just looked at, they neglect eternal preparation. Jesus is saying, Woe unto you who have everything you desire now but you have nothing laid up for eternity. You may be full now, but you will be empty in eternity. Matthew 6, verse number 19, he says, Lay not up for yourself treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt, where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal, for where your treasure is there is your heart be also. In this message, Jesus is driving home the temporary status of our stay here on this earth. If you pay attention to the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ while he was here on earth, the one point that he consistent, or one of the points that he consistently drove home was that our time on this earth is temporary. The time that we have on this earth is temporary. And I'm telling you, it helps your outlook whenever you finally recognize that our stay here on this earth is temporary. It is not eternal. It is not forever. It is just a time that has been given to us by God wherein we can make preparations for our eternity. Our time on this earth is temporary and Jesus drives this point home over and over and over again. I was talking to Joel the other day and I told him, I said, it's, it's funny how life works. I said, I remember when I was your age, I was looking to get married and I had my whole life ahead of me. I had all kind of ideas and dreams and I'll do this and I'll build that and I'll accomplish this and I'll I'll go there and, and I'm not saying that I've given up on life. I still enjoy life. There's still lots of things I want to do in life. I said, but then... I said it's like I was looking into a vast eternity that had no limits. I said now, I still have, Lord willing, if the if the Lord allows and my health uh, uh, does as it should and no no uh, calamities come into my life, I, I I still have quite a few years left on this earth. I said, but it's like I can see the light at the other end of the tunnel now. I I still have a lot that I want to do and I have a lot that I want to enjoy. I said, but. It's a long ways off, but what used to be an unlimited eternity, I now see that dot at the other end of the tunnel, and I realize that this life is limited. It is temporary, but sadly, there are so many people who the light is shining on square in the face. It's not just a dot. It is right there. It is obvious, and they are still living like they have forever. You know what? Every person does have forever, but we don't have forever on this life. And we need to be making preparations for eternity. Making preparations for eternity. As we continue through this message, the third thing we see Jesus talking about is He gives a warning concerning the barrenness of those distracted by pleasure. The barrenness of those distracted by pleasure. In verse number 25, the last part of the verse, He says, Woe unto you that laugh now for ye shall mourn and weep. Now we know that this is not a condemnation of enjoyment. Although it has been used to teach that, this is in no way a condemnation of enjoying life. How do I know it's not a condemnation of enjoying life? Because Scripture supports Scripture. And throughout the Word of God, we find that the Bible is filled with promises of joy, gladness, peace, contentment for the believer. Jesus says, these are the things that I'll give you. I'll give you peace that passeth understanding. I'll give you joy unspeakable and full of glory. The Bible is full of promises of the enjoyment and the joy that a Christian can experience. The Scripture promises rest for the weary. The Scripture promises help for the burdened. The Scripture promises comfort for the broken. The Scripture promises rejoicing for the discouraged. So this is not a condemnation of laughter. This is not a condemnation of enjoying life. Not at all. So what is this? The warning of this phrase is understood when we look at the context of the passage. What is the context of the passage? Focusing on temporal things while we ignore eternal things. That's the context of the passage. Jesus said, Woe unto you that are so consumed with finding pleasure and happiness in the things of this world, and you fail to look to me for your joy and your peace and your contentment. Woe unto you that laugh now. There are those who avoid Christianity because of their desire for pleasure. I remember witnessing to a fellow, he was given to the bottle, and his life was ruined because of his drinking. This is just water. I'm just getting a drink, not illustrating. (laughs) His life was ruined because... He had given himself to alcohol. He didn't have anything. He used to have things. He no longer owned anything. He lived wherever he could find somebody to let him sleep. Never had a good automobile. Alcohol robbed him of his family, robbed him of his possessions, robbed him of everything. I witnessed to this man often. And one time we were riding together. I was taking him somewhere get rides from me occasionally. I was taking him somewhere. And on the ride, I was witnessing to him again. And I called him by name. And I said, when are you going to put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ? When are you going to do it? He said, I know I need to and I want to. He said, but my alcohol is the only thing I have left in this life that brings me any joy. And I know that if I accept Christ, I've got to give up my alcohol so I can't do it. And I'm like, but God can give you so much more. He can give you joy like you've never experienced. He can give you joy far better than this alcohol can offer. And I pleaded with him. And he said, I can't do it because I'd have to give up the only thing left that brings me joy in this life. That was the last time that I really got to talk to him. Haven't had opportunity to witness to him in quite some time. But you know what? There are many who avoid Christ because of their pursuit of what they perceive as joy and what is providing happiness in their life. There are those who ignore Bible warnings in the name of seeking pleasure. There are those who use the pursuit of pleasure. Boy, we could get into this. They they justify their sin because they enjoy it. Oh, how could God be against this? What's wrong with this? They justify their sin because of their pursuit of pleasure. There are many who are going to miss eternity because of pleasure. Jesus says, Woe to you that laugh now, because there's coming a day when you will mourn and weep. Jesus is again relaying the message that those who ignore the eternal in pursuit of of the temporal will find themselves empty and unprepared on judgment day. The fourth and final consideration of this message is found in verse number 26. He says, Woe unto you when all men shall speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. Here we see the barrenness of those motivated by popularity. Those who are driven by men's approval. There are so many... Who have walked away from the Savior because of what somebody else thought. Because of being afraid of what somebody would say or what somebody would think or or what someone would, would say about them, they walk away from the Savior. There's so much we could say here, but Jesus says, Jesus says, I give you four warnings. There are things that this world pursues. I'm not saying that they're inherently immoral in and of themselves. But whenever they take precedence over eternal preparation, you will find on judgment day that you are empty. The Bible says, Take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, or what you shall drink, or what you shall put on. For your Father in heaven knoweth that you have need of these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. God says, don't get focused on the temporal and miss eternity. Get focused on eternity, and I'll take care of your temporal. What a warning from the Word of God. Let's all stand to our feet. Miss Debbie, come to the piano. Perhaps you're here this morning, and you found yourself guilty of not preparing for eternity because of your temporal focus. Perhaps you've never accepted Christ as your Savior. Perhaps there's somewhere here this morning that has allowed their focus on the things of this world to keep them from growing in the things of the Lord. The Lord spoke to your heart in either of these areas. Miss Debbie's going to play through just a verse of invitation. If the Lord spoke to your heart, you come.